You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 colon a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am your humble host, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and believes every team would be better with Cam Newton, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by only one of the guys this week. It is the working girl, Scotty Miller fanboy and offensive line expert, Jordan Smith. Jordan, how you doing? Oh, just doing, doing wonderful, Pete. How are you? I am doing splendid. Obviously, we will talk football, but I feel like we have to open the show with the breaking news that you sent me via Twitter. That I that's the only when it's a show of just you and me, Jordan, we can open the show talking about the medium of film. Oh yeah, two cinephiles <laughs> like ourselves. We could not <laughs> let that pass. It's the elephant in the room. Right, right, right. So you sent this to me. Uh, I I've just there's talks that that Michael Keaton might be coming back as Batman in some crazy Marvel movie TV show or DC Marvel DC TV show or movie. What, are, what are the deets? Yeah. So basically uh, for all of those who think that Michael Keaton is the greatest Batman, some good news today that he um, might be reprising his role as the Cape Crusader in the flash movie, um, which has been just in, production hell like trying to get it to um to start filming it's it's supposed to be and always has been supposed to be based off the the flashpoint storyline uh for comic nerds that's basically uh a time travel story um time travel interdimensional travel that sort of thing so the idea is according to the hollywood reporter to have um ezra miller's flash be able to go and hop into different universes. And the idea is that like Michael Keaton's Batman is in a different DC universe. Oh. And um, from what they're saying, it's like they're thinking of signing him for multiple pictures, not just one. And that he would be like a Nick Fury type of oh, role yes. player for the DC universe. That would be incredible. And, and, there's only one opinion that should be held about who's the best Batman. And that correct opinion is it's Michael Keaton. He is by far. And I feel like we've had this conversation on the podcast before about who is the best Batman. Um, we've had a lot of Batman conversations. Are we one colon a Batman podcast? Uh, that's incredible. If, if Michael Keaton was a Nick Fury esque role for DC movies or for DC superhero movies in the DC extended universe, I am a hundred percent for that. That being said, DC needs to like kind of figure out their shit because I do feel like they've, they've got like 13 different Batmans going on right now. I mean, you have obviously the Christopher Nolan, um, and now I'm blanking on his name. 
Christian Bale, uh, Batman. So that's their own standalone trilogy. But then they had Ben Affleck for a hot second, and now you got Robert Pattinson coming in for. And then if you're going to do Michael Keaton, I I am I love the idea of bringing Michael Keaton as this like permanent fixture uh, veteran you know role that kind of crops up and it kind of helps connect all the different universes and storylines. But maybe then let's let's like retire. Ben Affleck and let's retire Robert Pattinson before he even has his own movie. <laughs> um, uh, and let's have like a cohesive narrative of who Batman is. Yeah. So I think the idea is that Robert Pattinson's Pattinson's Batman is going to be just like its own thing. It's going to be like a noir trilogy. Probably that's just going to be its standalone. Um, have nothing to do with the regular DC universe but this is a way for them to kind of retcon like ben affleck being done as playing batman and still being being able to like tie together the uh wonder woman aquaman shazam films which which were actually really good movies like i really enjoyed them um i'm not a subscriber to the binary team marvel team dc i i I don't care. Give them all to me. Like I superhero will Superhero movies are content. superhero movies, man. If they're good, they're good. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. I think this would be a great idea. Yeah, I do think the thing that DC needs to, I know Marvel had so much success and obviously that's like the thing that the model you want to mo- or copy to mimic is this like expanded universe where all the movies are kind of intertwined and there's like one major narrative that plays throughout the whole cinematic universe with, you know, different, characters getting their own different trilogies that play into this huge timeline like i just feel like dc if dc ignored that whole premise and just was like wonder woman gets their her own trilogy aquaman gets his own trilogy and just kind of like made these trilogies independent of this like trying to map them onto one massive plot point i feel like they would be a lot better for it because wonder woman was great aquaman was thoroughly enjoyable like wasn't incredible but it was certainly an enjoyable like superhero movie jason momoa was great as him um and so like and i feel like it's somehow all of that gets dampened by the fact that they're trying to be like constructing this like here's now they join up for the justice league and that was of course bomb though the Zack snyder cut is coming which i uh will have to have to watch once once that gets released it is coming um i, I think what um, to use a football analogy here, what DC did was they just tried to go into an all-out sprint without warming up on the sidelines, and mm-hmm. they they pulled the hamstring. Um, you know, they got they got some distance though out of like Ezra Miller's Miller's character and Jason Momoa, who were good in Justice League, and Wonder Woman had already been like a hit like during that summer. So I think what they need to do is just like take a collective step back and be like, okay, let's, uh, we have these great characters and charismatic actors to go with them. So let's step back and like really set ourselves up rather than trying to just get into an immediate arms race with Marvel, who was already like several movies ahead of them. <laughs> totally. And I also feel like, and maybe this is something, a conclusion that they've also come to with with this seemingly uh, de-emphasis on Batman. is like, the Batman is a hard, Batman, the whole point of him is, is like he's this loner, you know, standalone, dark and moody guy. And so it's really hard to like throw him into this group where you're going to try to, if you're trying to recreate the the Avengers like pithy dialogue and, and kind of fun wit, 
it's so much easier. And even even in the Justice League, like comic in the TV show, the animated TV show, right? Batman is just kind of there. He doesn't really do much with them. Uh, he like a crops up on a, on occasion, but it's mostly you know you have like the Martian Manhunter who. Let, let's 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 get a let's get a movie of train about going about him because I love him. He's a great character. Uh, but you have you know then the Flash and you have Green Lantern and you have Aquaman and Wonder Woman. So I feel like I feel like maybe what they're doing is they're saying okay let's let's try to actually con- like shift the whole DC universe away from like relying on Batman and relying on Superman, both of whom are fine care like good characters in their own. But when you Superman is just like he's a he's a hard character to do right because he's just can only do right. So there's not too much like a internal intrigue there. Um, but it's so much. But I think that if they if this is their their kind of plot or, or pathway is like instead we're going to emphasize you know these guys who you like you said Jordan have great you know actors behind them and have like already kind of pretty good established characters and and witty banter that if that's now your emphasis for this DC Universe Justice League, then that seems like a much better marketable product as opposed to trying to like balance the humor of what you've created Aquaman and The Flash to be with the like dark, gritty, edgy, what Batman has like, what makes Batman so marketable? Yeah, and you know, just to continue digressing on this topic, um, (laughs) feeling ourselves a little bit. Exactly. I think they should... They should take another uh, page out of the Marvel playbook is that this is a character who has an already successful trilogy in the Nolan universe, uh, just like Spider-Man did. Like the Sam Raimi movies, Once Upon a Time, were the most profitable of all time. And instead of revisiting, you know, Uncle Ben getting shot in the street, they just were like, you know what, we've seen that a million times. Let's fast forward. We don't need to see uh, Martha Wayne and... uh, other Wayne, his dad. <laughs> we don't need to see them dying again. Like we know right. how Batman has become Batman. We've seen the story a million times by now. Let's just let's just fast forward and, and get him in there and focus on some other characters along the way. Yeah. No, I'm all for it. I this is hopefully a sign that because ultimately, like you and I, I would say, you know, you've already said this, and I agree with you. Where it's like, we neither of us are staunch, like, oh, it's Marvel or DC or death. You know, it's like, I want good superhero movies, and I would love for DC to like be able to like get into a competitive arms race with Marvel, where you're starting to kind of both of them are putting out excellent films and these like really innovative ways of telling stories through multiple video, uh, multiple movies, and multiple platforms doing TV shows as well. So. I, I am here for DC taking a step back, reevaluating things and being like, all right, maybe the emphasis shouldn't be on Superman and Batman, who are both kind of like hard characters to, to root, to get behind for a long extended period of time and who are, have difficulty like interacting and engaging with groups in fun, creative ways. And let's instead put the emphasis on like maybe lesser known DC guys, but that way we can kind of sh- create all of these characters can then be created with the intention of this group mentality where they all get along together and it's all fun and games. Yeah. Plus uh, the rock is joining the DC universe as black Adam very soon. So hang in there, everyone. (laughs) Yes. That is important to note. Uh, We do have NFL content to get to. We're going to talk some uh, dynasty fantasy uh, convo because as Jordan astutely said, that might be all the fantasy we have this year. 
depending on whether or not uh, whether or not there's an NFL season. Um, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit more. But before we get to that, uh, let's hit up the news. Biggest news that has come out. We've we've had our first serious injury, uh, and it's not good. Debo Samuel suffered a broken foot uh, last week. And it looks like he just got surgery on it, but it looks like it's probably going to keep him out uh, for the, at least the first couple of weeks of what would be the NFL season if that starts on time. This is obviously a huge blow, both to the 49ers, who like basically went all in this offseason on saying like Debo Samuel is our number one receiver. They let Emmanuel Sanders walk. Like The whole offense seemed like it was going to be outside of George Kittle. Like it was Debo Samuel was given the wide receiver one gig and was like, we're going to run with it. Let's, let's make this work. So obviously that's a huge setback for them because now your wide receiver depth isn't really, it's Brandon Ayuk who they drafted in the first round this year, but then Kendrick Bourne, like the, the, the depth there at receiver is definitely taking a hit. Um, and then for fantasy wise, Debo was a prime target that a lot of people had as taking that big step in the sophomore year where the offense was going to be really catered towards him. We were going to see him more, uh, develop as a pass catcher, but also used creatively in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So this is obviously less than ideal, Jordan, to start the, uh, the 2020 NFL season. Yeah, he's not exactly supposed to be out and missing a significant chunk of the season, but uh, the timing of the injury and where it is, I believe it's a Liz Frank fracture in the foot, right? So just that sort of injury um, might be one that could linger uh, it could be tough for him to be able to, I don't know, just get to full speed by the time it's supposed to be healed. Um, so he'll have some weeks after he's like okayed from the doctors to get back in and go. Um, because of the current situation, um, I'm not sure what the 49ers are doing in terms of their medical staff, their training staff, like, is he able to go to a team facility and, you know, work on some things with the team? Is he able to get some exercise in, or is he just, you know, stuck in a Santa Monica apartment on a Peloton? You know, it's, it's a tough situation for Debo Samuel, especially after um, he was probably going to be given a lot more opportunities this season, given that his, main competition is um a rookie and uh that one wide receiver that they drafted a couple years ago i'm blanking on his name yeah crazy crazy silver hair dante pettis pettis that's it yes so yeah it's kind of a bummer we'll see how it plays out though yeah and and another thing another side effect of this is that it definitely dampens the my jimmy garoppolo hype i was I've said this on the podcast. I wrote an article a while back on fake teams talking about how I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a lock for a top 10 fantasy quarterback, just given the system that he plays in, given the fact that in his first fully healthy year with Kyle Shanahan, he was able to put up the numbers that he did last year. And so now with a whole off season uh, together and with another year in the system, yada, 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 the, 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 I don't know, building blocks were there for Jimmy G to like take a big step again this year, but without having a number, without having Debo Samuel to open the year and a lot of pressure is now going to be put on Jimmy G. So we're going to see whether or not he can really carry this offense without maybe one of his top weapons. Um, So 
I think that it, it dampens his, his fantasy value a little bit to at least start the year. But like you said, and, and reports are saying too, that like Debo might not miss many games, but it's going to be like a broken foot is not an easy thing to come back from. And it can actually take, you know, a year and some change to really get back and maybe lose some like permanent explosivity because of it, which would suck given how explosive Debo is and how much his athleticism was going to be used as a, as a weapon in, in Kyle's uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, all right. Moving on in the news, something that broke on Monday uh, was Dak Prescott signing his franchise tag, uh, which I don't think that comes as a surprise to anyone. Obviously they're still working on a long-term extension, but this does mean that all of the hype that we on this show and fantasy people out there have put in Dak this year about possibly being the QB one, given how much weapons he has in Dallas, given how well uh, Kellen Moore had that offense looking for a stretch last year. And given just what Dak Prescott can do through the air and on the ground, that is obvi- that is going to happen now that he is signed. He's officially going to be playing with the Cowboys for 2020. Um, and if you, we do love our narratives on on the RB1 podcast. He's going to be playing for that big time contract. So now that he's signed the con- like, got the franchise tag behind him, they're going to be working on that long term deal, and he's going to be looking to prove that he's worth whatever he's. I mean, what's his, his current price was like 45 million a year, which is like, hey Dak, if you if you prove you're worth it, then go get that money. Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, if he feels pressured a little bit more to uh, sign a deal this year um, rather than, you know, waiting to play out the franchise tag and uh, signing a big deal after he proves himself this year. Because if there's any sort of uh, restrictions on games this season, whether the season or not goes through, whether they can have fans there can definitely impact how much revenue a team makes and that might in turn affect the salary cap so if you know the team feels like they can't uh sign him to a big deal next year they might have a little bit of leverage to get him to the table now and be like hey we can for sure give you this money now but next year uh who knows Dak? so you know it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plays out i want to know if he is uh feeling a little bit more pressure to sign yeah, that's a really good point. And that very nicely ties into the our next and, and final news bulletin. Uh, Jamal Adams is currently demanding his way out of uh, New York and has given a list of teams that he wants to get traded to. And this is like, this is again, it's now getting that sticking point where, you know, after your what third year and go, entering your fourth year, a lot of top tier players as they reach the final year of their rookie deal, want that long-term extension and that big money. Christian McCaffrey got it. Obviously, they're working on Patrick Mahomes to get it. Um, and they're, you know, as a Jamal Adams, who's proven himself to be one of, if not the best safety in the NFL right now, he wants that long-term deal because otherwise he's going to, you know, fourth year, he's going to play out his fourth year. He's going to get a fifth-year option picked up and then he's going to, you know, he can get franchised. So that's like three years of, you know, relatively controlled uh, team controlled money that he you know is going to be locked into so he's currently trying to get his way out so that he can sign a big time contract and I think he and Dak what you were saying Jordan plays in together where a lot of teams outside of Christian McCaffrey we haven't seen those huge extensions given this year because given all of COVID no one I don't think any of the teams or owners know what the salary cap is going to be for 2021 and beyond and it could drop down a pretty solid amount. And so you don't want, I'm sure, you know, GMs don't want to find themselves in a situation where, 
you know, you're thinking you've got whatever the cap is now, instead, and the cap has only been growing, and then suddenly the cap drops, whatever, fifty million dollars. I have no idea if it would, but we're we're, we're speaking hypotheticals here. Uh, and this massive contract that you just gave to Dak Prescott or Jamal Adams suddenly takes up a you know suddenly it's that contract is albatross and sinks your whole team because you aren't able to sign other people because of the fact that it takes up such a huge portion of the cap now. So with Dak, I think you might be right that it could push him to sign earlier with Jamal Adams. I think ultimately that he's going to, it's going to go the likes of Jalen Ramsey, where he's going to get himself traded out of New York. Yeah. We've also even seen, and I don't think we have, I haven't seen an answer for this and we haven't figured it out either is the, uh, the devaluation of the safety position over past couple seasons now, even though like the team that just won the Super Bowl has Tyron Matthew, um, Derwin James before he got injured this year was uh, on his way already to being one of the best defensive players in the league, just based on what he could do. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see how many teams would be willing to even just trade for Jamal Adams. Um, did you see that the, list of teams that he said he wanted to be traded to was basically a verbatim list of the teams with the best Super Bowl odds. Was it? That's, I mean, the least surprising thing (laughs) in the world, but it makes sense. I mean, mean, right. Exactly. If you're going to get traded, like let's get traded to a team here. I'm just quickly through scrolling through Schefter's Twitter to see if I can find what his list was. It was the Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, Niners, and Seahawks. So yeah, basically Mm -hmm. who's got the best odds. For, to win the Super Bowl. It's so funny, though, when you talk about the safety, the de- devaluation of the safety position, and then and yet you talk about guys like Derwin James, like Jamal Adams, like Isaiah Simmons. So many people were hyped about Isaiah Simmons because of the fact that he has the athleticism and size to like basically play all over the defense. And Jamal Adams and I'd say Derwin James also fit in that mold. Uh, it's so funny to see teams or interesting to see teams really looking for those kinds of pieces, but then not, not valuing the same in terms of what you're giving a huge contract to, right? It's still on the defense. It's still corners and it's still pass rush. And on the offense, it's still, you know, your left tackle and and quarterback and, and maybe a top wide receiver. This will also be a discussion too, when it comes to like George Kittle's contract extension, where like, George Kittle is going to, he's going to try to do the Travis Kelsey, Jimmy Graham thing where it's like, I am a wide receiver more than like, I should be paid wide receiver money as opposed to top market tight end money. So as, as the NFL becomes more and more fluid, it's going to be really interesting to see how these contracts start playing out and whether or not you're going to get more situations like this, where players are going to demand, they're going to use the power that they have to demand you know, compensation that they completely deserve and what we're going to see as to whether or not you'll see uh, position contra- position contracts become less and less a thing where it's more kind of like offensive weapon gets paid a lot of money. You know, you're judged in terms of that as opposed to on a position base. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of conclusion happens to the, the Jamal Adams saga, especially given uh, given the fact, who knows whether what, what the NFL is going to look like moving forward. Yeah, it's not like a Jalen Ramsey or Marcus Peters situation where people are more than willing to give up like a first round pick to get that guy who can uh, cover your best wide receiver. Right. This is, I, I still don't know why, but it's the safety position. We've seen how 
uh, how a good safety can basically just take away certain uh, parts of the field, uh, which I think are pretty important. Like Earl Thomas, we've seen do it for years, uh, even at Reed back in the day. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's well, and especially for sure. Yeah, and especially a team like, I mean, when you look at this list, I mean, the 49ers, that would be potent. But, like, if you look at the Seahawks, who've got to play George Kittle twice a year, like, that's that's the thing, too, is when you see, as you, tight ends become more athletic and these, you know, bigger offensive weapons, it's so funny that teams are like, we need to find someone to cover tight ends. But when you find someone who can cover tight ends, you're like, well are you really that valuable to me? Uh, and so it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this ultimately plays out. It's just, it's a, it's another instance of like how the NFL is shifting and whether when contracts and value and what, like when the ownership and GM's value will, if it will ever align with like a player's value. Cause obviously there are positions where that is true. Quarterback, you know, heads and shoulders. I feel like the quarterback and what the quarterback gets paid is, more or less on par with what you would expect, but there are certain obviously positions where the, the impact that they can have on a team is mitigate is nowhere near the level of, of, you know, compensation that they receive. Yeah. Jamal Adams is a good blitzing safety as well. So I wonder if teams will start to value him differently compared to just your standard center fielder. Yeah, no, I saw something too, that it was like, Players who in their first three years racked up what was like 20 tackles for, I'm making up numbers now, but it was like a bunch of tackles for loss, a bunch of sacks and an interception or pass deflection. So it was like Jamal Adams and JJ Watt were the only two guys in their first, whatever, three years. I forget what the actual stat is. I shouldn't bring up a stat if I don't remember anything about it. Like it defeats the person. Basically, Jamal Adams is JJ Watt. So pay him as such. (laughs) Point is getting the comp though to JJ Watt. Exactly. At least from an impact level. Not exactly a... There you go. Uh, All right. Well, that's all we have in the news. So before we get to some Dynasty talk, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. And who knows if there's an NFL season? So that's still very much up in the air, which means for redraft purposes, Eh, things are kind of iffy, so we might find ourselves only with a dynasty leagues to care about in 2020. So with that, we decided uh, to talk a little bit of dynasty. And in the past on the show, we've definitely talked about guys to go target, guys to uh, sell. Uh, but we're going to talk about some guys who we think you should try to get out from under. So try to move on from if you can. Um, and maybe they're not so much sells in the typical sense of like... Um, you know, this player is going to be primed for a bad year or whatever, 
but I guess I can start and I'll give you an example. It's like, for me, now is the time to start getting out from all of these veteran quarterbacks. Like if you have Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady, like these guys, maybe even Aaron Rodgers, like Aaron Rodgers maybe has like one or two good years left in him that's of, of top fantasy production. This is the time now where you're like, you should be trying to move on from those guys, either by trying to sell them or by trying to find their replacements so that you are prepared when they suddenly hit a cliff and fall or retire. We know Drew Brees is leaving at the end of this year. I'm pretty sure that is like confirmed, um, which means Sean Payton will finally get his chance to prove to us all that Taysom Hill is in fact Steve Young, despite the fact that uh, I saw Johnny Hecker that's, that has thrown more passing touchdowns and completions than Jason T- uh, Jen, uh, Taysom Hill did last year. So when a punter's beating you and you're supposed to be the quarterback of the future, I don't know how much I buy that. But anyways, I digress. Uh, now is the time to kind of find your replacement for these guys so that when 2021 comes around, you're not kind of stuck in the mud being like, Ooh, shit. Philip rivers was fine in Indy, but was not great. And now I need, like, I need to scramble quickly to kind of get myself a quarterback, especially since there's such an influx of young guys who I think you can buy low on and will return. I think Jameis Winston is a guy. We obviously know he's a huge fantasy commodity, but like, one year as a backup to New Orleans, he's going to do something in 2021. You know that. And, uh, and then there's a huge influx of all this, you know, rookie class and, and sophomore guys who are going to Gardner Minshew. Uh, you've got Daniel Jones. You've got, uh, I think, Dwayne Haskins is a guy you can buy low on. So basically moving on from your veterans and like replacing that quarterback position. Yeah, um, these are basically uh, contender fate. Uh, like if you have, if you're not a contender in your dynasty league and you need to, you know, just get some capital back or invest in some younger guys so you can contend in the future, uh, look for the guys in your league. There are probably several of them who are just like, I can win now. Um, all the dynasty leagues I play in are either two QB or super flex. So, um, they're a pretty valuable commodity, even if they're not like the greatest players. Um, like even Derek Carr is worth owning in a dynasty league. So um, you can, you can ship them off and, you know, they'll, it's a, it can be a win-win uh, for both sides, you know, it can give the contender a year or two of viable backup or starter play. And it can give you some, um, some potential capital to make a move on your QB of the future. Uh, you know, maybe try to get some invested stock in, um, I don't know, Teddy Bridgewater, um, Justin Herbert, something like that, that you, somebody, Dwayne Haskins, like you said, by Luan, um, or next year's draft, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin yep. Fields coming out. So, yeah, no, the, the, that's a great point is selling. If you have those guys and you're not feeling like you might be in contention, selling those guys to someone who is contention, especially if it's a two QB super flex league, that can be a really great way to kind of, correct your quarterback position or prepare for your quarter inevitable turnover at the quarterback position. Uh, who's a guy for you, Jordan, that you should be moving on from or, or looking to get out from under in dynasty leagues. Um, I briefly mentioned this player last week and it's not extremely hot takey, but um, it can be difficult to move on from a tight end in a dynasty league because there just aren't enough viable options to give you production. But this guy, I think it's safe to try to trade 
um, and get out from under is OJ Howard uh, with the Bucks. Um, so I, I, I thought, has, I thought you were going to say Zach Ertz, given what you said on last week's uh, <laughs> tight end podcast. I had already written down. Just doubling and tripling down. Get out from <laughs> Zach Ertz. Um, but uh, yeah, so OJ Howard, it's only going to be his fourth season, um, but he just hasn't exactly blossomed in the way that you would expect. I, I think there's a, a reason that the team has held on and given extensions to players like Cameron great and signed OJ or OJ Gronk um, in the off season, got him out of retirement. Uh, he has yet to play a full 16 game season in, um, in his three year career. I know that's not a big deal in fantasy because you only need like 14 games of production, but it is a big deal. If those last, uh, if those 16 games aren't like week 15 and 16 that he's missing, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty, um, impactful thing if he's missing time in the middle of the season um so part of it also is that he was on a high scoring offense last year but he wasn't a factor in it um he his numbers went down from 2018 to 2019 despite playing fewer games in 2018 um which is like kind of a red flag uh his yards per target went down from 11.8 yards to 8.7 uh, yards per catch went down from 16.1 to 13 and a half and his number of touchdowns regressed immensely from five touchdowns to one um, you would expect maybe that could go back up as a positive regression this season but um, with Mike Evans Chris Godwin Rob Gronkowski uh, Scotty Miller who might be their best wide receiver. Uh, it's, it's going to be tough for him to keep on or to continue to garner um, like any sort of red zone attention with all those players there. Um, yeah, I, I think that you might be best suited at finding somebody who might still believe in his potential. Um, I've definitely traded for guys who were still relatively young that I'm like, you know what, it just hasn't happened for him yet. Like, you know, maybe, something else can happen for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's time to, he's one of those guys that we talk about season after season, the guys that you should just call it quits on, you know, stop yeah. drafting them and redraft. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you hit the nail on the head too. I think he's a great, if you have him and you've had him, especially if you are in a dynasty league and you drafted OJ Howard when he entered the league and you've had him throughout his career, like it is okay to be just like, I can't handle this anymore. Like I need to move on from OJ Howard. And what you said is a great point for him is the fact that you can probably find someone else in your league. Like even while you were saying these things in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, but what if he like goes to a different team? Like what if Tampa does trade him or what if like he, I know his fifth year got picked up, but like, what if, you know, what if he gets traded or whatever it might be like, there is still that glimmer of hope. So I think he is someone where if you've experienced the OJ Howard experience from beginning from this time, he entered the league, it is fine that you are tired of it and want to get out from under it. But I think he is someone who still people can create a narrative of like, yeah, I still could believe in OJ Howard, which means you are going to have, you're going to find people in your league likely who you're able to trade Howard to. And so it's, it's, that's the, like the best case scenario where you have someone who maybe you're sick and tired of, but you can definitely pitch to someone in your league that they shouldn't be sick and tired of him, that they should see all the potential that you just can't wait for anymore uh, and be able to make a swap that benefits the both of you. Yeah. And 
like uh, like I said at the top, tight ends a pretty hard position to draft for. It's even harder to get in dynasty leagues to find a guy and you know you're not developing him, but hope he develops after you drafted him. Uh, but in this case, I think you can find some replacement level talent to get the same production that OJ Howard has been giving you. Right. And especially this year, because this year I I just have a really hard time believing OJ Howard is going to do much of anything, given the fact that that tight end position, like the the tight end position in Tampa Bay is overflowing with like, you know, basically if you take like the top 15 tight ends going in fantasy drafts, Three of them are Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever, you know. So it's like the the majority or the monopoly they have at the tight end position in fantasy is, is overwhelming. So there's no way all three of those guys are going to be able to produce at a at a decent level. And and given just what we've seen from uh not Jack Doyle, the other white receiver, <laughs> the other white tight end who only scores touchdowns, Cameron Brait, there he is. <laughs> uh that like given what we've seen to Cameron Brait's usage in the red zone. And obviously you're adding Gronk. Like, yeah, there's there's so much so much there for OJ Howard to not do anything of fantasy note this year and to be yet another frustration if you've had him. And so yeah, now is a great time to to try to get out from under him. Uh you said earlier that you know you this isn't hot takey. I have something that's very hot takey, very oh fuego. Uh it depends on what your kind of ultimate strategy is. I will say I uh, I wrote an article today on faketeams.com about my top uh my 10 bold predictions uh for 2020 fantasy football and this was one of my bold predictions i think that if you are so inclined and i say this as a christian mccaffrey fit dynasty owner it is okay to look to trade christian mccaffrey and michael thomas in dynasty leagues right now because their value will never be higher this is they will never reach this point ever again in the career i can promise you that michael thomas is not going to have 140 receptions ever again in his career christian mccaffrey is not going to get a thousand and a thousand ever again in his career like those are those are historical achievements that these two players did and if you had them on your team and you benefited good on you it is okay though to look to move on from them and even if it's like even if you don't feel like you're getting equal value think of it as what would i receive for them you know last year uh i think you can i think what you can do is is get like a pretty good player and a very good draft pick or just a very good player and a pretty good draft pick. But I think you can get a lot of compensation for those two guys. And I just don't believe that you there. I don't believe in the reason for holding on to them. If you want to move on from them, if that makes sense. Yeah. I especially think this is true for Michael Thomas because he has a lot of things working against him that could bring his production down. He's still going to be good. Like, He's a good player and he catches everything that comes within a few feet of him. Um, But with Drew Brees uh, possibly regressing um, a little bit further because of old age, um, the team just bringing in Emmanuel Sanders this year, uh, that's definitely going to ding his value. They had to force feed him, you know, a hundred catches plus or a hundred targets plus the past couple of years um, just because like, who, who else? You know, There's no so, one else there. Right. Uh, it, it's a, it's a situation where the value will literally never be higher. Um, I especially think if you are a team where you can take a really long look and you know assess 
self-reflect a little bit, talk to your guys in the locker room, uh, you know, <laughs> see what your team realistically can do this season or the next season. If you're not on any sort of winning timeline, if you haven't made the playoffs in a couple of years, but you've been getting, you know, 22 points per game out of Christian McCaffrey, that's great and everything, but um, you know, it might be time to just kind of do a soft rebuild and that can get you a ton of assets, which I mean, Christian McCaffrey got paid too. Like the history of running backs getting paid and outproducing themselves that they did in the previous years is pretty shallow. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think both those guys, uh, it's some, especially if you, so like for instance, let's, uh, let's do a little personal self-reflection, shall we, Jordan, just for me, myself and Eileen, uh, in the dynasty league that I have Christian McCaffrey, if I'm looking at this squad right now, I can assess that I am pretty thin at running back. Now you might then think, well, Peter, why are you trading away Christian McCaffrey, your best running back? I feel like I could get for Christian McCaffrey, you could get two starting caliber, you know, two RB twos or even an RB two and a flex or an RB one and a flex. Like you can then take maybe a, a weakness on your roster and turn it into above average or average by moving one player. And yes, maybe, yes, I won't have Christian McCaffrey anymore, but maybe I have, you know, Josh Jacobs and, I don't know. Uh, let's think. I'm quickly off the top of my head. Jordan Howard. Perfect. <laughs> or Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs and, uh, yeah, sure, Jordan Howard. Like, I don't know. Those are two guys whom now I have Now I have a guy who could be a potential RB1 in Josh Jacobs, and I have a guy who could be a potential RB2 in Jordan Howard, uh, as opposed to having a guy who – yes, is going to be a top five running back almost certainly. But, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of your own philosophy. If you want to sell them at their absolute pinnacle, you, sh- you are not wrong to do so. Yeah, um, it, it also is a matter of, like, if you want to upgrade one sort of position uh, in terms of, uh, for example, I was on the opposite end of a trade this past, uh, spring where I dealt um, Joe Mixon and Jacoby Myers for Nick Chubb, just straight up, uh, because I thought Nick Chubb was a slight upgrade at running back. But also the other person was like, you know what, I'm, I have the best or one of the best running backs. I'm going to downgrade, in my opinion, downgrade slightly to get Joe Mixon while also beefing up you know, my bench depth with Jacoby Myers who could turn into something, you know? So right. it's about uh, like for, for dynasty leagues, for those who don't know or haven't taken the dive in um, you have a lot of bench spots. You have a lot of flex spots that you're playing week in and week out. So if you have one strong running back, like a tier one running back, but you have like two or three flex spots that are just kind of, Right, poop in the bed every week. That that's not <laughs> going to translate into championships. Right, right. No, that's very true. Well said, Jordan. Uh, wrap us up. Who's another? Who's your final guy that you are looking to get out from under? If you had him in dynasty leagues. Um. So this one's a little bit more hot takey, and um, 
I, I think it Patrick might Mahomes. Be, Whoa. Patrick Mahomes bust. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you should start to consider the possibility of trading Devin Singletary out of Buffalo. Um, I think that he is, despite becoming their feature back last season um, in his rookie year, I do think it took him a while and I don't, I think he has a ceiling. Basically he has a, a ceiling to the type of running back and the type of player that he can be um, not just based on who he is as a player, but also based on the way the franchise looks like they want to run. Um, they held on to the legend, no slander on Frank Gore's name here, but they held on to him for the entirety of the season and started the season with him. Like they gave him the ball more times than some people probably think they should not me, but other people have said this. Um, and they made a very like, I think kind of a statement draft pick by picking Zach Moss in the third round. Um, I think despite his combine performance, Zach Moss was one of the better running backs in the draft. Um, he's already being projected um, by, you know, local media there to be like the goal line guy. He's the guy that they're going to give the ball to get tough yardage, but I don't think he's just like a battering Ram. I, I think Zach Moss is a little bit more dynamic than that. Um, so I think all that considered, it's an indicator of the bills, just the system that they want to run. They kind of want to limit the opportunities given to Devin Singletary, um, and just not ha wanting to have him have the full load that you kind of want out of your dynasty running backs. Um, so I think that definitely caps his value. Um, he only had two rushing touchdowns last season. Um, and I think, uh, same thing with OJ Howard. I don't think that's something that's going to regress positively too much because they got Zach Moss literally with the idea that they might want him to score their close touchdowns. Um, so it might have to come off on of big scores, which is a lot to gamble on week in and week out. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't think Zach Moss is a battering ram, but I do think that this situation is a little bit like the one in Detroit uh, in 2018 where they gave LeGarrette Blount the ball on a lot of short yard situations. And um, actually he outcarried Carrion Johnson, um, despite how much promise, you know, we had anticipated Johnson um, having and him being the lead back there. So I think that the split just kind of, it definitely capped Singletary. And I think you get some value back for him. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I will say that if you take the last, like it definitely took him some time to win over the offense and, and be kind of more of the lead back and beat out Frank Gore for the gig. But if you take his last five weeks um, and expand that through a full season, I mean, 282 touches for or carries for 1,251 yards and then 54. Eight, almost 60 targets in the passing game. I think that's going to be, that's the one thing where I would, I would like to see whether or not that develops. If Devin Singletary becomes an active member of the bills passing game, then that I think gives him some extra value that maybe you don't necessarily uh, think of with him. But I, but I agree with you. The biggest thing I agree with you certainly is the touchdown. That's the biggest worry for me is that if you're relying on him, Scoring on big plays, uh, that's not great. And you're hoping that maybe some pass plays can kind of help 
outperform that. He did have two uh, receiving touchdowns. Again, minimal, but at least that's some sort of production. But you're right. At the goal line, not only now is he competing against Zach Moss, but you're also competing against Josh Allen, who they really like using as, as a goal line back, similar to how Cam Newton kind of when he was into his prime in Carolina would cap, you know, D'Angelo Williams or Jonathan Stewart's fantasy value, just because there's only so many goal line carries and they like to give it sometimes to Cam Newton on the keeper. And Josh Allen's the same way. Josh Allen had nine rushing touchdowns last year. Um, so I do think that, the, that there is, there's, Solid potential for there to be a, a touchdown cap on Devin Singletary. I think he is certainly a, a player to put the little flag on and be like, if Devin, like check back on me in two years and see whether or not uh, I've done anything for you. But, uh, but I think, I think I would give him one more, at least one more year to see whether or not he can develop a role in the passing game. And if that can be a, uh, a niche that's just solely him. And if that is, that's great. Now he's got something in this offense that he's not going to be sharing with anyone else. But if it does, if that doesn't happen and he's, you know, sharing the backfield with Zach Moss and with Josh Allen and this offense, like if Josh Allen puts things together from a passing standpoint, you know, it could be that this now becomes a very pass heavy offense with Stefan Diggs and John Brown and uh, Doxon Knox in there at, at tight end. You you could see that the the running game really kind of takes a step back, which would be yeah less than stellar for Devin Singletary dynasty shares. Yeah, that's even a, a way better comparison with the the former Carolina teams because Josh Allen does share a lot of similar traits with Cam Newton. Um, McDermott is a former Carolina Panther guy. I didn't um, even think of that. Well done. Yeah, so I think that they might be thinking a similar thing, like if D'Angelo Williams or Devin Singletary is a D'Angelo Williams and Zach Moss is the John Stewart. Um, if I were a Devin, Devin Singletary owner, I would still be comfortable with his RB2 value. Um, I don't really think he's uh, a lead RB1 back for you, but I would be trying to do everything I can if you want to keep him to – get that Zach Moss handcuff. That's what I would be trying to make a deal for. If you're, if we were talking about keeping Devin or at the very least, if you have Debo or Devin Singletary, uh, maybe reevaluating him on your roster and not anticipating him being like a, a solid RB one, you know, maybe it's like if you were anticipating him becoming an RB one for your team down the road and you, and like you, and you haven't addressed the running back position, Outside of that, because you're like, Devin Singletary is my guy. I trust him. Let's do this. Maybe take a, a, a self-reflection. This is an episode of self-reflection, Jordan. And we're self-reflecting on our dynasty leagues. Uh, and maybe it's time to think about, okay, if Devin Singletary caps at an RB2, does that screw me down the line? Do I need to be looking for an RB1 then? Do I want Devin Singletary if he's an RB2, uh, if, that's his, if that's his cap, and, and so on and so on? Yeah, a lot of time for self-reflection right now. Um, <laughs> we we do we do mention that the the season might not happen, but I feel like the NFL is just kind of trucking along. Like, don't mention us just yet. Like the MLB and NBA are in the news about getting their season started, but the NFL is just like, don't, don't pay attention don't to us over here. We're um, just hanging out. Don't worry about us the chargers and Rams are like going to be on hard knocks apparently. So <laughs> they're just like, yeah, we're just uh, business as usual. Yeah, no, there, I mean, 
all professional sports have like a, a real thing to kind of figure out in terms of how, if you're going to come back and play sports during COVID, how to do it safely. The NFL, there's just, I like, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how they do it. And I'm sure they are going to find something because there are dollars on the line and dollars, dollar, dollar bills make the country go around. But uh, yeah, that's, it's the one league that has like the most to deal with. It's the big, you have the biggest rosters. You are going to be traveling across the country. You're going to be like physical contact is a mandated part of the game. So you can't really rule that one out. Um, And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not we have a 2020 season. And if we do, what the hell it might look like. Yeah. Like unless you're Xavier Rhodes, you have to touch somebody every single play (laughs) in order to be effective. (laughs) Had to get a dig in there. Had to get had to get a Vikings dig in there. Well done, sir. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's all we got today. Um, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are all across the board. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We are there. Drop us a review. If you have uh, some Dynasty thoughts or trades or things that you want help on, leave them in the comments. Uh, we'll make sure to uh, answer them on the podcast or tweet them at us at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers and Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. If you guys want more uh, comic book uh, cinema knowledge, well, then maybe you'll just have to look for the Jordan Pete nerd out uh, spinoff podcast. <laughs> when, when, Nick and, yes. when Nick and Clark go do their political podcast, you and I can go do our nerd out cinema podcast. It'll be much more fun. So. Exactly. It'll be a much more enjoyable podcast. Uh, we'll be back at you next week. Until then. Peace.